talking about forgiveness. The title of this is Forgive, Let It Go. How many know there'll never be a time that you don't need to forgive somebody? So I just want to talk about it. It's really important. And of course, you know, we're coming on the holiday season. And, you know, holidays are a great festive time. We enjoy Thanksgiving together. You know, we have family and friends get together. That's always good. Christmas, uh, families that many times don't see each other throughout the year get together. And so you're around people you're not usually around. And sometimes there's some angst. Is that true? And you got to learn how to effectively deal with the angst and turn it into a blessing. So I want to talk about forgiveness. Uh, this is part two. Hopefully I'll get done with this today. I just want to uh, just give you some real practical ways to forgive three steps in forgiving others today. And so just be aware again that we're in the time it looks like just before Jesus comes back. If you read uh, where in the Gospels where Jesus answered the disciples' questions about what the world would look like, Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13, Luke 21, uh, just before he comes back. Uh, it, it was a, a crazy, crazy time. We got some crazy stuff going on right now, don't we? I mean, we got some people are barking like dogs. Some people are, uh, you know, acting like cats. Have you seen some of that? And we got men acting like women and women acting like men and people crazy. Huh? And we've got people at each other's throats because they disagree with one another in the middle of all that. God's called us to love. Is it true? So, uh, in, fact, in fact, we should be the most mentally and emotionally balanced people. In fact, you ought to have it. Sometimes people go, so why are you so normal? <laughs> or they say something. I know, uh, but when I first met the Lord, I worked in a grocery store and you got hundreds and hundreds of people going through the grocery store in a little small city. And, and uh, you know, I'm always, you know, whistling or singing under my breath or humming, usually humming. And people will say, well, you're mighty, you're mighty happy. Why are you so happy about? And I would just say, well, the joy of the Lord's my strength. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, well, yeah, I am. I am. You know, so uh, God wants to use you to minister life to those people that are, that are just deflated with life today. How many believe that? Uh, I was reading, and, and this is um, um, talked about a good bit these days because it seems to be being fulfilled in front of us, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is the Passion Translation, but you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce Wow, and difficult for the people of God. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with money. Is that true now? They will boast great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. Is that happening now? Uh, they will ignore their own families. Is that happening now? They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint bigoted and wrapped in clouds of, of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of the loving God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. That, that's an indictment against the world. And you know what, that, what you just read, what I just read, that's the spirit of Antichrist as it encroaches into the cultures of the world. And we're sensing that and we're sensing the challenge of, of dealing with people. And, and in the middle of that, God has called us to love. 
Matthew 5, 43 through 48, again, passion translation, just kind of quantifies what we're to be like. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the one who hates you. Jesus speaking to his disciples, Sermon on the Mount. Uh, verse 44, however, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless the ones who curse you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very one who, ones who persecute you by praying for them. That's good advice, isn't it? Uh, for that will reveal your identity as children of your heavenly Father. He's kind to all, uh, to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh, whether a person does what is good or evil. I like this question. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Mm -mm -mm. Jesus kind of cuts to the quick, doesn't he? Don't even tax collectors do that? And the tax collectors were the uh, least esteemed people in culture because they were known as thieves. They would, they would, uh, they would uh, take up up to 40% more than they should of the taxes of the people for the Roman government, and they lived in the most lavish houses around, and people despised them as a result. Jesus said, don't even the tax collectors, the most despised, do that? How are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Now, let's pause a minute. Now, 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 when's the last time you were kind to somebody who treated you dirty? Think about it. I know, I know, right? I mean, this hits us all, right? Don't even the ungodly do that? Since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. How many know the flesh wants to hold a grudge? Huh? Your flesh does, mine does too. And your flesh wants to pay people back in kind for the hurt they've caused you. Is that true? If they say something bad, you're going to say something bad back. If they act some way, you, you're going to act some way, right? That's, that's just the natural response. And you know what I think as Americans, we've watched too many movies where the bad guys get what's coming to them at the end. In fact, double dose often. Is that true? Is that what Jesus told us to do? Hmm? Hmm? I'm not saying you lay down to be a doormat, but I'm just saying you act like Jesus wants you to act. Yes or no? And that means sometimes turning the other cheek, and all the time it means not retaliating when people do wrong to you. How many hear me? So there's a lot to say here. See, when I say that, the flesh, I feel the flesh automatically going, wait just a minute now. I got a right to defend myself. Well, you know what? You got a right to go to hell too. But I'm giving up that right. How about you? I got a responsibility to obey the Lord. And you know what? I have a responsibility to put my flesh under. huh? I was just reading this week, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, where Paul said, but I keep under my body and bring it unto submission, lest after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself should be, King James Version says, cast away. Other translations say disqualified. Do you know you disqualify yourself for the blessings of God when you get in the flesh? That's a big statement on Sunday morning, isn't it? Well, you know, we think about all kinds of uh, fleshly sins and things. No, no, no. He's talking there also talking about walking in, walking in fear. He's also talking about walking in, uh, in get even with others. The flesh wants to get even and hold a grudge. And you know what? Jesus wants us to let it go and bless people even that don't deserve our blessing. That's why I said pray for them, do good to them. You know, go bake them a pie. Go, go to, go to the, your favorite bakery and get them a cake and, and say, I just wanted to bless you today. And they don't even deserve one little piece of it. 
Do it anyway. We have the command to love and forgive, right? John 13, 34 through 35. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you, that you also love one another by this. By what? By this love. Will, uh, all will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. They won't know that it's your disciples because you have a small group in your house and you got cars around it. They won't know you're disciples because you're not in the neighborhood on Sunday mornings, but you're at church. They won't know you're a disciple because you got a Bible in the, in the, uh, in the back part of your car, behind the back seats where everybody can see, oh, that person must be a Christian. Or you got bumper stickers, I love Jesus. Don't put the bumper sticker, I love Jesus, if you're weaving in and out of traffic and you're cutting people off. Take that thing off, you hear me? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? Anyway, uh, he said, by this, by what? By this love, we'll all know that you're my, my disciples. Two things uh, uh, show the love of God. Uh, uh, the love of God is number one, unconditional. Everybody say unconditional. What does that mean? That means a person doesn't have to act any certain way for you to love them. You love them, period. They don't even deserve it and you love them, Right? And then secondly is self-sacrificial. Everybody say self-sacrificial. Now that's explainable, right? Sure. That means you put yourself last and you put the other person first. You let them go in front of you. If both of you get to the grocery store line at the same time, oh, please, please. You know, be like, what is Alvin the chipmunk and his friend? Oh, no, I insist. Oh, no, I insist. Please. Oh, please. Right? Yeah. So... 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 of the Amplified New Testament says this, of this love, it's not conceited, it's not arrogant, it's not inflated with pride, it's not rude, it's not unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Then he says, love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. I'll have my way or I'll break this thing up. Well, you little selfish, Leslie thing. It's not self-seeking. It is not touchy. You ever been around somebody touchy? Well, we got to watch. Talking to you about, well, we got to watch what we say today because they might get mad. Around Thanksgiving dinner, don't talk about this and don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Because they might get mad. If, if you get mad quickly, you're touchy. And if you're touchy, can I be real? If you're touchy, the center of your world is you. Right? It is not touchy or fretful. That means it doesn't gripe and complain. Fretful. Fretful probably has to do with anger, would you say? It's not easily angered and easily, you know, talking down about stuff. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. Now, that has to do with holding grudges, doesn't it? See, when I read this, I ask myself questions. Well, do I hold grudges when people don't do the, what I ask them to do the way I ask them to do it? How many times do you ask somebody to do something and they just do it the way they want to do it, not the way you think it ought to be done? What do you do when that happens? Do you bellyache, gripe, complain, or you say, you know what, I'm going to love them and go straighten that thing out myself if I need to? Ah, takes no account of the evil done to it. Now, there it is. No account. That means one translation says love doesn't make lists. Question. When you look at somebody, do you have a list of what they did? Oh, hey, hey, uh, that person you're married to, you got a list. They don't ever clean the dishwasher out. He don't take the trash out of that trash can. It's full up. And it's too heavy for me to get out, the wife says. Right? 
other husband gets in the, in the vehicle and says, why don't she ever just go to the gas station? It's all she gave, left me on stinking empty, right? So love doesn't make lists, huh? Takes no account of the evil done to it. So if you make a list, we'll get into this in a minute. If you make a list, when somebody's mind, when somebody comes to your mind, you're holding a grudge. Uh, and you got to let it go. That's why, you know, married couples, the longer they're married, the longer, the bigger the list is. Now, you've heard me, and I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this so many times. Back in the 80s, I was counseling a guy. We had a huge church, and I was counseling a guy come in to see me, and he had this his big, thick thing of paper, you know, the, the uh, paper that comes off of the computer printer, and it's ganged together, and it's got the little dots and the little things in the, uh, on the, each side. Well, he had a whole ream of that with him. I'm thinking, what on earth is that? So we sat down and got to talking. I said, what's up? He said, uh, my wife's a bad person. I said, I thought, mm, this is going to be lots of fun. Now, is this, is this my drinking out of this water? Father, bless this stuff right here. <laughs> uh, it was already drank out of. I bless that person, Lord. I'm joking. I'm just joking. So anyway, he, uh, he, I said, what's up? And he said, well, my wife, she's just a terrible person. I said, oh, is she? So I just gave him a little rope, you know. Oh, tell me about it. So he told me what she wasn't. And then he told me what she was. And then he told me how bad she was. And then he said, I got proof. I said, oh, yeah? He said, oh, yeah? And he took that ream of paper and said, Zip, and it just went, and hung down to the floor. He said, I got date, I got time, and I've got offense. Right here. I just looked at him a minute. I said, it's unbelievable to me, unbelievable to me that you actually did. And I just came to 1 Corinthians 13. We just had church service for a while. And after he got himself out from under the chair, after I talked, I just talked to him and said, dude, you got to change your tune. You're making a list. Your wife will never measure up to what you think is right because you're Mr. Perfect and everybody, nobody else is. You got a problem. You know what? If you treat your spouse that way, you have big problems, right? And you know what? I also know the luster left your marriage, and you don't feel like you love each other. Woo-wee. Anyway, didn't mean to get into that, but here we are. Love takes no account, doesn't make lists of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Now, that's a big one there, isn't it? So if I pay attention to a suffered wrong, if I, if I give my spouse, for instance, in marriage, that should be the person closest to you. If you give them the silent treatment and, and, and you say, well, what's the matter? Nothing. Well, that's just not true. Something's wrong. Why aren't you talking to me the way you did? Or you're slamming doors, running out the room. Get it yourself. Get yourself. Get your own supper. Get your own dinner. Make your own sandwich, Right? That proves positive that you're paying attention to something. How many know love doesn't pay attention when somebody does it wrong? See, to me, now that's the gaze. Anytime I start paying attention, I'm wrong. How many hear me? Because love doesn't take, make lists. It doesn't pay attention to a suffered wrong. Then Romans 12, 18, uh, it is, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. I really like that verse. That means some people, it's not possible to live peaceable with. There's some people I've met, they've got a chip on both shoulders and one on top of their head. And they're doing the balancing act. I mean, it's crazy. And I don't care what you say, what you do, what response you have. You probably try to give them some pudding and they won't take it. I mean, they're trying to do, 
I mean, you're saying things as kindly as you can, and they're turning every, every positive into a negative. You've been around people like that? Maybe you is a person like that. Jesus wants to change your world. Huh? Jesus wants to change your life. As if, it, if it's possible. See, I re- See, if it's possible, that means sometimes it's almost not possible. Because a person's so irate, outlandish, self-centered, narcissistic. A narcissist, they, they only think about themselves. And they only talk about themselves. So if you talk constantly about yourself and what you like and what you do and what you eat and what you don't eat and where you go and where you don't go and how that affected you and how the cloudy sky is affecting you and how the sunshine's affecting you today, you're, you might be a narcissist. If you never ask the other person, how's your day? How are you feeling? What are you doing? You might be a narcissist. I feel like I need to belabor the point for some reason. It's really odd to me how these things happen. But Nar- Narcissus, Greek mythology, he was a guy, he was, to him, he was the prettiest guy in his world. And they didn't have mirrors at the time. Their mirrors were made out of tin and they blurred the vision. But he would go to a puddle of water. He would go to a lake or a pond. And it said in the Greek mythology that Narcissus would get right down at the water. Say, look at you, you pretty thing. Ain't nobody pretty as you. He was enamored with himself. And you know what? People that talk only about themselves and their accomplishments, their likes and their dislikes and hardly talk about others, that's hard to deal with, isn't it? Would you agree? Maybe you know somebody like that. That could be you. Ask God to change you. Ask him to help you uh, to have it where life is not about you, but it's about Jesus and about loving other people. There he is. Look at him. There's Narcissus. Look at him. Don't be that kind of person. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That means I have something to do in relationships. And some, you can't change. Some, some people won't change. Have you figured that out? And, and when that happens, you know what you do? Gracefully just kind of say, well, God bless you. Have a great day. Just walk on. What else are you going to do? Because they're going to they're bark at somebody else that comes by. And they're going to spit and fume and say things. So, you know, as much as lies in me, live peaceably, right? There'll never be a time in your life that you don't need to forgive. I mentioned this last week, Mark 11, 25, Amplified. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. And I love Amplified. And let it drop. Everybody say, let it drop. Then in parenthesis, it adds, adds some more that the Greek rendering has leave it. that Leave that offense and let it go. Everybody say, let it go. Wow. So if you let it go, you no longer have it. If you let it go, you're no longer thinking about it. If you let it go, you're no longer, uh, uh, you know, acclimating your behavior to what that person did or didn't do or said or didn't say, Right? See, it's not, about, it's not about you and what pleases you. It's all about honoring Jesus, right? So Jesus said, if, um, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Again, let it drop, let it go in order that. Your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, wow, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings. And shortcomings. Now, here's a tall question. Is it possible to enter into the pearlies of heaven with unforgiveness in your heart? 
So you're railing on somebody just fussing at them. You, you blankety blank blank. You die. You go in. Jesus said, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and and shortcomings. Oh, Pastor Mitch, he was just talking. Oh, yeah, he was just talking. Yeah. Now you're thinking now, right? So do I have the responsibility as a believer to forgive everybody that hurts me? Do I do that? Do I have a responsibility as a believer to get rid of the lists in my head where people have said things and done things that have offended me in some way? I do have that responsibility. In fact, Ephesians 4, I read these yesterday, last week, but I need to read them again. Get rid of all bitterness, Ephesians 4, 31, New Living. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Everybody say, forgiving one another. Then he, the qualifier is just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, we're going to talk about that today. Philip's translation of this uh, says this, uh, 31, 32, let there be no more resentment, no more anger or temper, No more violent self-assertiveness. Now, you know, anger goes two ways. Some people, when they get angry, they get quiet. You know anybody like that? Don't look in the mirror. You know, they get angry, they get quiet. Everything all right? Everything's fine. But they just won't talk to you. And they've been talking like a, you know, you know that little bird that was in in the comments called the magpie? And they was just talking blah, 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 all the time. They just don't talk. If you you normally talk and you don't talk, you may have some... uh, Some anger turned inwards, right? And then, as he says here in the Phillips translation, violent self-assertiveness. That's people who just, I mean, they fly off the handle and say just whatever because they're angry. So anger does two things. You can be an angry person and be silent, or you can be an angry person and be very demonstrative with your anger, right? So he says both of them right there. Don't do either one. Uh, So he says, uh, where am I? Phillips, there we go. Let there be no more violent self-assertiveness, no more slander, Usually when somebody talks about someone else behind their back, that person did something or said something they didn't like, so they're holding a fence, right? So a person that gossips is a person that holds a fence. Just a thought. Wow. So he goes on to say, no more slander, no more malicious remarks. Be kind to each other. Be understanding. Be as ready to forgive others as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Then Colossians 3 New Living Translation, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When he says clothe yourselves, you know, you can see the coat I got on my shirt. That's the first thing you see. You see my coat, you see my shirt, you know. You see I have no hair, you know. I'm clothed with this. And, and when he says be cl- clothe yourself, he says let the first thing people see when they see you, what should it be? Tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness. Would that be said of you? It's just something to think about, right? And patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. How many have never made a mistake? Would you please raise your hand? We want to find out what you're doing. I don't see any hands raised up. So he says, make allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because you have faults yourself, right? Make allowance. That means make room. Everybody say make room. 
make allowance or make room for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And then he says, above all, clothe yourselves. Again, you know, just like the first thing you see is your top coat or your shirt or your jacket or, you know, for the ladies, your sweater, you know, your blouse, whatever. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Could, could I say about myself, well, the per- first thing people recognize me is about my love. First thing people recognize about me is my love. Could, would, could they say that about you? Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now, what I would do with these scriptures, and I've done this a lot, and I still, I fall short, and you just do. The flesh is strong. You know, if you just think about it, read it really slowly, just like I did, and read it and ask yourself, am I making allowances for people? Am am I giving people space to make an error, or am I on them right when they do something wrong? See, you do that. How many know you need to give grace and space to your kids too? I guess I had a family member, close cousin, and I felt so sorry for him. You know why? Because, you know, in fact, case in point, so one day we're playing, I'm at my grandma's house, and he lives right beside her, and, and it was a hot summer day, and his dad was water. Well, his ta- dad told him, I want you to water the grass. Well, he went and watered the grass, and, but he, and his mama listened to this, so he watered the grass over near the kitchen, and the windows were open. And, you know, she had a fan on and all. They were just airing the house out of water. And she had just washed her kitchen drapes, curtains and all that, and ironed them. It was back in the day. She ironed them. You know, my grandma used to iron the sheets on the bed. Ain't nobody going to do that today. (laughs) You iron (laughs) the pillowcases, you know. Uh, anyway, but she had just ironed and put him back up on the window. And so my cousin, when he was, when he was doing the grass, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, it's one of those that, you know, cyclically goes, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Well, when it went forth towards the house, it went right in the window on the drapes. I heard his daddy call his name. Boy, I mean, he tore him up. He tore him up. And I was going, so I was going there thinking, oh, Lord, Lord, it's just a childish mistake. Have you ever, as an adult, made a childish mistake? Huh? What do you do when others around you make a childish mistake? That's not rebellion. That's just a mistake. Make allowances for people, right? Do you make allowances? So think about, think about the words that are being said here. Clothe yourself with love. Hmm. And then message paraphrase Colossians 3.12. So chosen by God for this new life of love. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. I see that's a great way to put it. And this is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. Kind, compassion, kindness, humility. Now, I can, I've had to work on the humility thing because I'm humbly proud of me. <laughs> I know, oxymoron, right? Yeah, see. And I'm constantly having to, you know, God forgive me for my pride, right? Do you do that? Right? But when I read this, it just messes with me so much. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Even. Everybody say even-tempered. No, what's it? Content with second place. Oh. Some of us have a person that is like, I'm going to be the first. I'm going to get to that light right there. I'm going to run I'm gonna run around everybody and get to that light because I'm going to take off at that four-way stop right John. Right? I could tell on myself. Well, we'll keep going. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. 
And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without. I love that. Isn't that great? See, read these kinds of things. Let me just say that I read the Bible in various translations, and I've had the King James-only people give me multiple spit baths on many occasions because I read other translations other than the authorized version, 1608. I do because some of those words are antiquated, and I've probably got 30-plus translations right here on my iPad. But I read them. Why? Because they bring out nuances of the Greek text that aren't translatable in a one-word translation. And then some of these words have changed meanings over the years, right? And so I read different. And when I read this, I read it slow. And these kind I mean, Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, boy, you just slow it down and read and listen. Listen, think about it. Think, am I doing that, right? If you do that and then say, Lord, work that out of me. Work or work that into me. Help me change that. Over the years, and uh, when I first came to the Lord in, in 1976, I found myself, I don't even know how it happened, but I found myself with my amplified Bible on the, on the floor, on a piece of carpet, and, uh, and reading these verses saying, God, that's, I'm just not that. And I, I haven't had that in my life, and I, I need that. And I would weep and cry say, God, I've been so mean to this person and I've hold, held offense against that person. And, 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 you know, he took me through a season of time where he showed me me. And you know what? If you let the Lord show you you, he'll transform you because he'll show you himself. Isn't that good? So last time, last week, and I'm, I'm, we'll hurry to a close here pretty soon. Last time I covered three things that unforgiveness does to you. It hinders your relationship with Jesus. You can't have a relationship with God and have unforgiveness at the same time, right? And then it produces bitter root judgments, bitter root expectations. Now, in my notes today, I won't go there. I, in fact, on, I think, Tuesday's podcast, go listen to it. You can get to it at MitchHorton.com or go to our website. But I've talked in detail about bitter root judgments and bitter root expectations and how to get rid of them. I didn't have enough time last Sunday to go in detail on that. But those are real serious, serious things. And the more emotionally uh, uh, hurt, I guess I can use that term, that you are uh, with someone and, what, and with what they've said or done, uh, the more emotionally changed you are by that, the, the, the more easily you'll find bitter root judgments and bitter root expectations. In fact, let me just say this, and I've got to pass on because I don't have enough time to cover it. Listen to Tuesday and Thursday podcast. You know, if you've had excessive trauma where people have just really hurt you and harmed you, and, and I'm even going into sexual abuse, physical abuse, that kind of thing, those things, you know, the human mind is an amazing thing that God created. And he's created it in such a way that it will literally wall off pain. Did you know that? So where you won't even remember the pain. Your mind won't even let you go back to that. And, and you know, and those are people that become sometimes stoic or sometimes they overindulge in things and they don't even know why. But see, if you'll let Jesus, he'll go back to that painful part and help you release it into his hands. And he'll go, because you have judgments against the Lord God, why did you allow that? Or why didn't you stop that from happening? How could that happen to me? I was innocent, and that innocence was stolen, or whatever. You see what I'm saying? And I've dealt with a lot of people like that. And that's where, you know, honestly, Christian counseling comes in. I don't say go to a secular counselor because they go tell you to beat a pillow. 
or go beat, beat something. No, 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 no. No, you don't deal with aggression with aggression. You deal with it the biblical way, right? But sometimes you've got to help, help somebody to help you isolate why you're thinking the way you think, why you feel the way you feel. If it's something that's deeply embedded and it's affecting your current relationships, right? So these kinds of things, sometimes they affect husbands and wives, their sexual relationship and all that. And a lot of that's based on bitter root judgments, bitter root expectations. How many hear me? And uh, those things are real, real strong and real serious. So you need some, sometimes you just need some extra help. And with some of these things, you need another believer that's really strong. That's where the pastoral care part of a local church can help. The staff team sometimes can help. Sometimes you need someone to identify with you if you've had some really, really deep pain in your life. And, and it's, sometimes it's just helpful on a human level for somebody else to recognize with you that that should have never, never happened. You know, children are not objective. When something happens to you, as, I'm getting off here now. When something happens to a person that's a child, children usually always think the adult is right. Did you know that? Children are not objective. If adult shouldn't do something, and they do it, the, the, the child almost automatically thinks it's their fault, not the adult's fault. And then they can carry that up through life, and it can affect them. So if that kind of stuff has happened, do you get some help? You know, come and talk to me. I'll pray with you, and if I feel like you need further help, we'll talk about it. Or, you know, just find someone you can trust that won't spill your beans to somebody else, Right? You, that's really, really important. So bitter root judgments, bitter root expectations. And again, I've talked about how to deal with that on the podcasts this week. Thirdly, uh, unforgiveness affects physical health. If you find yourself, and I mentioned this last week, if you find yourself constantly infirmed, constantly getting sick, constantly, constantly, see, there's probably more there than meets the eyes. God gave you an immune system that should work. And if something's compromising your immune system, it may be undue stress that sometimes we put on ourselves because of the interior pressure of unforgiveness. How many hear me? So see, if the shoe fits, deal with it. And, and you know what? Listen, you can overcome these things. How many hear me? Anyway, today I want to talk about three steps in forgiving others. It's really simple. We forgive even as God in Christ forgave us. So see, when Paul put it that way in Ephesians 4 and in Colossians 3, it gives us a, a real good idea of how to forgive. Again, Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How? Even as God in Christ forgave you. So we forgive others the same way God forgives us. So it bears the question, how does God forgive us? So let me say this. First of all, forgiveness is a decision uh, to act that eventually is followed by emotion. Did you hear what I just said? Forgiveness is a decision of the will. And, and often when you forgive someone, you don't feel like you've forgiven them yet. How many understand what I'm saying? Uh, emotions follow thought. In fact, in a healthy person, if all your apparatus is working like it's supposed to, then, you know, uh, emotions are fed by thoughts. So thoughts feed emotions, turn around the other way, thoughts feed emotions the way food feeds your body. So, you know, when I go for a long ride, 30 miles on the Noose River Trail on my bicycle, I have to eat carbohydrates because I can tell, I know right when I'm going to run out. 
So I have to eat bananas and eat some things that, you know, just motivate me and, and, you know, give me some energy. I have to eat carbohydrates before going on a long trip. If not, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a ditch somewhere. I'm going to stop and say, whoa. And I've done that before. So again, and so again, uh, if you want the emotions to cease, you have to first of all follow, uh, preface the emotions of unforgiveness with forgiving. You don't feel like it, but you do it anyway. And, and thoughts fuel emotions. So if I want to change the emotions, I've got to change the thoughts about the person. Yes or no? So if, you, if you're a wife or husband, you're aggravated at your spouse, you're going to stay aggravated till you deal with what's aggravating you. Huh? You got a list. You're hanging on to something, right? You got to let it go. And see, 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 when I hold offense, where am I holding it? I'm not holding it in my belly. I'm holding it in my mind, Right? And whatever I think about, I'm going to feel. If I'm thinking good thoughts, I'm going to feel good thoughts. If I'm thinking angry thoughts, I'm going to feel angry. If I think betrayal thoughts, I'm going to feel betrayed. Huh? But if I think I love you and I forgive you, I'm going to eventually feel right towards you. Huh? See, that's what you got to know. So, so when God forgives, he does three things. Everybody say it. When God forgives, he does three things. See, this is not rocket science. This is real simple. When God forgives me, he says, number one, when I forgive you, I will not bring the offense up to you again. Now, I think that's cool. I don't know about you. My mind works in such a way that I, that I obsess over everything I do about 25 times. And then if I do something wrong, it's like, well, stupid. Then I start calling myself names. You ever done that? Dummy, stupid, idiot. Right? Well, don't do that. You know what I do when I do something wrong? God... You know, I shouldn't have said that that way. That was just completely offensive. And I've got to go back and make that right. And I ask you to forgive me in the name of Jesus. The moment you do, you know what God says? I'm not going to bring you that back up to you. So you know what happens if it's brought back up to you? It's either you or demon spirits or other people motivated by the flesh or people motivated by the devil. It could be. But when God forgives, first thing he does, I will not bring the event up to you. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just or righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness, right? Number two, when God forgives you, he says, I won't bring it up to anybody else. Now, I've told this uh, story before, but uh, in fact, Micah, Micah 7, I like this. Who is like you, God, pardoning iniquity? Aren't you glad he does? And passing over the transgression of the remnant of, of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. That is so good. Because he delights in mercy. Mm -mm -mm. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. The sea's about seven miles deep at this deepest point. He chunks them in there so they'll go fishing. And see, God doesn't bring it back up and tell others about them. Uh, back uh, in the 70s, we had this prophet. You remember that guy's name? Is his last name Davis? I can't remember. Anyway, we had this prophet guy that would come to our town. He preached in our church. I think I shared this before, and he preached uh, in other locations. He was at the Full Gospels Businessmen's, for instance, fellowship. And they had a thing at the, um, at the uh, local at the local, one of the local colleges that we had and uh, in the town, and uh, they rented an auditorium. And so Susan and I went. You remember going? Well, I was going to a Bible school at the time. This is 1977. And, uh, and so here's what all the Bible school students, this is the kind of the talk of the students, says, well, you going to see, oh, it's Leland Davis. You going to see Leland Davis? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to see him. And uh, 
And, and here's what we say. Well, I'm going to make sure I repent all my sin before I go. Because God says your sins and wrong deeds I'll remember no more. And see, he's not going to tell the prophet your stuff if you repent. Just something to think about. God says, I won't bring it up to you. I won't bring it up to others. So he won't tell the prophet, right? That's, that's the point. And then, and then God says, number three, when it comes to me, I completely forget what you did. Now, that's amazing. Did you hear me? I mentioned this last week, Hebrews 10, 17, two verses. Hebrews 10, 17, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Everybody say, I will remember no more. And then Isaiah 43, 25, I, God says, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sins. So, so think of it this way. History can be remembered, right? I don't know how my brain works the way it does. I can literally remember wearing diapers. No kidding. I know it's weird. So I had to be what? A year and a half, two years old. But I can rem and I remember all kinds of things in between here, you know. But God says their sins and lawless deeds I remember no more. You know what that means? It's not even history. Think it, think it through. History can I mentioned, remember I mentioned this last week? To God, past, present, and future are now. That's incredible. So, so think of it this way. Let me say it again. I said it last week. The panorama of all that is, is in front of God. He lives in the eternal now. He's not affected by time. He transcends, lives beyond time. We're in time. He comes down into time to reveal himself to us. Jesus went from eternity into time when he invaded a human body, Right? But God lives outside of the expanse of time. So I always wanted you to get it because nobody ever thinks this way. To God, everything is. It's right now. Jesus, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, is. Huh? All of the apostles, all of the prophets, Noah, Daniel, Abraham, Moses, name them all. They all exist. All of their happenings are now. Jesus coming back on that white horse. That's right now. Right? So everything is before God. And when he says their sins and lawless deeds, I remember no more. It doesn't even exist in the panorama of time. Because that can be remembered. God sees all. When he says I don't remember, it means, it, it, it means he expunged them. Expungement's a legal term, which means that Anything taken down by a clerk of court has to be expunged when they have a hearing in a courtroom, right? So everything's written down. That person's up there. I guess they have a little thing. They're typing. When he says, not guilty, that means the clerk of court's got to expunge that record. It is as though it didn't exist. And to God, as far as he's concerned, your past, when you confess your sin, doesn't exist. So therefore, he treats you as though you never did wrong. Is that true? So if somebody reminds you of your past, who would that be? It could be you. It could be somebody that doesn't like you. Or somebody that whatever, they're just fleshly. 
and it could be the devil. Is that right? But not God. And so would you say the Holy Spirit doesn't remind you of your past? Yes or no? So if you're constantly remembering your past, is God doing that to you? So do you need to overcome that? Yes, you do. Get it? So when God forgives, he says, I won't bring it up to you. I won't bring it up to others. And within myself, I, I act towards you like it never happened because it's not even history. That makes me want to dance. You hear what I'm saying? Oh. So, so when you forgive others, here's what you say. Number one, when you forgive someone, you say, number one, I will not bring that up to that person again. Amen. So your spouse, if you're, if you're accustomed at home to say, remember what you did last week? You left that same place last week. You left your underwear right there last week, and, it stay, and I let it stay there for two days because you wouldn't pick them up. Or, you know, that, that can had the baby diapers in them because so-and-so visited upstairs and that bathroom's up, you know? and, and you know what? That stuff's been there, been there. And I didn't pick it up. I want to see if you would. And this is the third time this month you did that. See, when I forgive someone, I don't bring it up to them. If you're constantly bringing up a person's past, you haven't forgiven them yet. Right? 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 He wants me to say it again. Should I say it again? If, if, if you constantly bring up a person's past, you're still holding on to it. You haven't forgiven them yet, right? You know, it's really hard to overcome and do better when somebody is always reminding you of what you aren't. Did you know that? Years ago, Kenneth Hagin's one of my friends. I love that man. He helped me so much spiritually when I was young in the Lord. But he told a story when he was in school of a, a young boy who uh, was stealing money from the, from the office of the school. And boy, I mean, they were ready to lambast that little guy. And they had a really smart principal. They found out who it was. Nobody could find out who's, who's stealing the money from the, from the office of the school. Somebody finally found out. One of the teachers found out, went to the principal and said, boy, we're going to get this boy. And the principal said, leave him alone and let me deal with him. Listen to what the principal did. He said the principal went to the guy and he said, you know what? Listen, I think you're one of the most trustworthy guys in the school to the little boy that was stealing the money. I think you're one of the most trustworthy. You really have most trustworthy guys in the school. I tell you what, I want you to be over this, uh, this area of money here. This is lunch money stuff and somebody's been stealing it. We found out somebody, but we think you can protect it. Will you do that? He said, uh-huh. And you know what Brother Hagin said? He said, he said, the principal said, not one dime was stolen after that. That's so good. If all you do is lambast your kids and tell them what they're not and how awful they are, how they going to ever get over it? Because you only remind them of what they're not. How about give them something to do that's positive? How about, how about, how about some positive reinforcement of character? Do you know God does that to you? You've been a rascal. He says, I'm going to trust you with my son. I'm going to trust you with my forgiveness. I'm going to trust you with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and long-suffering, right? Whoa. So, so when I forgive someone else, I say, I'm not bringing it up to the, them again, right? Secondly, you don't, once you forgive somebody, you don't go to your friend and say, you know, he did it for the 14th time. Last Tuesday at 3 o'clock. That rascal. Or she did that, you know, my wife's done that 25 times. I'm going to tell you right now, I have to go get the car and get it worked on again because she does that same thing again and again and again. No, when you forgive, you don't talk to others about what 
someone did towards you. If it comes out of your mouth to them or it comes out of your mouth to others, you haven't yet forgiven. Right? Mm. Thirdly, thirdly, and this is maybe the most important point. You can't keep events from coming into your mind. Now, God has a supernatural ability of not remembering our past. I think that's supernatural. You've got brain cells. You're born with all the trillions of brain cells lifelong. I guess they say all of the uh, substance of your body every 7 to 11 years, you replace the cells, but not the central nervous system, right? So, so we have an ability when we th something happens, we retain memory of it, right? I don't know. I haven't been able to, to kind of like get my mind to the point that I cannot remember what happened. So I have to choose not to think. When I forgive, because I can't do like God, which doesn't remember my past, I choose not to dwell on what somebody did that offended me. Right? Now, how do I? You can say, well, I ain't going to think about it today. And you just keep thinking about it. The more you try not to, the more you think about it, right? So, so here's what I do. I have learned to replace what the person did with prayer. So instead of in my mind going back, remember when, remember what, remember what you said, did, you know, I say, you know what, Lord, I pray for so-and-so right now in Jesus' name. Now, I've got this in the notes, and I'm not going to cover this in detail except to tell you, and you can look it up in the notes. But if it's a believer, I pray the prayers that Paul prayed for the church. I really do this. Ephesians chapter 1, 17 through 23. It's in the notes. I even wrote it out. I mean, I copy-pasted for you. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And then Colossians 1 is a great prayer to pray. I pray this a lot for you. Uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 11, a great prayer for believers. Now, uh, if a person's a believer and they've done something or said something and I need to forgive. And sometimes people do things and and they don't know they did them. Is that true? So here's what's not necessary. If somebody said or did something and it, and it hurt you, you don't need to go to them, well, I just forgive you. Because they're going to say, for what? Because they don't even know themselves, right? No, it's something that you personally have to deal with, right? And that happens a lot. So uh, you only go and deal with an unforgiveness issue if both parties know about it, right? The other person doesn't know it, don't open a can of worms and don't need to be opened up, right? Hmm. So again, I, if the person knows the Lord, I pray these prayers. And instead of the moment they come to my mind and the moment the offense comes up, I say this, Lord, I have forgiven. First of all, I forgive them. That is, I go before God and say, Father, so-and-so did such-and-such, so-and-so said such-and-such. And I'm going to tell you right now how that affected me. Number one, number two, number 25. That's how it affected me. And right now, I make a choice right now. I can't do anything to change that. It happened, and I forgive them in an unqualified way. They owe me nothing. I forgive them completely in Jesus' name. And, I rep and, and then I follow that up with praying for them. So what does that mean? I'm not going to talk to them about it again, right? I'm not going to talk to others about it. And when it comes up in my mind, I pray if they're believers again. I pray there's prayers in Ephesians I mentioned and the one in Colossians, one of them. And I, every single time, that means if it comes up 15 times a day in my mind because the person, somebody I work with, and then 25 times uh, or 15 times, I, I pray for them, right? And if you do that repetitiously, you know what you're doing? You're replacing the negative thought with a positive thought. Yes or no? Get it? Get it? Uh, and then if the person is uh, a non-Christian, 
See, I pray for their salvation. There are three things you pray, and I say this, you've heard me say this, there's three specific ways you pray for a person that doesn't know the Lord. John 6, 44, Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him or her. So I say, Father, draw so-and-so. That person comes to my mind, they did something they shouldn't have done, and whatever, I forgive them in Jesus' name. And uh, I say, Father, draw them in Jesus' name. Let them have a desire to know Jesus as Savior. Draw them. Let them feel sin in their life. Help them to know that they need to know you. Secondly, I command Satan. Satan, take your hands off of their mind. Take the blinders off of their mind. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. And whom the whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So I say, Satan, take your hands off their minds. Lord, let their mind be enlightened by you in truth. And then thirdly, I ask God to send laborers, that is, people that know him and maybe maybe, or maybe not know them, but share the gospel with them. Jesus said, Matthew 9, 38, the harvest is plenteous, the labors are few, right? And so that's what I do and every single time. I mean, here's what you do. Every single time they come to your mind, you pray for them. So forgiveness. If we forgive the way God in Christ forgave us, we don't bring up what? We don't bring it up to who? The person. Don't bring it up to others. Then when it comes up in our own mind, what do we do? Good. You heard, listen to me. Good. So, so there's the initial act. That's volitional. Listen, you may not, and this mostly happens Almost all the time. You usually don't feel like you forgave the person. You're still in angst. Your, your, your emotions are still angry, upset. Don't want to be around them. If you see them in the grocery store, you want to go three hours away or run out the door real fast. You just don't want to. But, but you know what? If you really forgive, even though you don't feel it, you act like you did. You call those things, you know, Romans 4, call those things that be not as though they are, right? Say, Lord, I believe that I, I have forgiven the person. And then you follow that through with replacing the thoughts about that person with prayer. And if you do that, eventually you'll start feeling good feelings toward them. See, emotions follow thoughts, right? And so if I change my thinking, I'm eventually going to think differently. You know, years ago, I was talking about this to a lady who actually was an artist. And she had some pretty deep things to forgive in her life and... Uh, I didn't know she was an artist. I had talked to her, and then, and then she left my office, and um, in the next week or so, she come back to me with, an art, with a train because I gave her the illustration of a train. And she gave me the illustration. She, she illustrated the train, drew it out by hand, so here's the engine of the train, which is the initial act of forgiveness. What does that do? That gets you on the track to forgiveness, right? So you initially just do it. You don't feel it. But you, it's an act of obedience to God. Lord, you told me not to make lists, not to hold offense. So by faith, I forgive so and so for such and such, right? And again, you know, if you've got exes, you, you've probably got some stuff to forgive, right? Or, or maybe you've got some past boyfriends, girlfriends, you're younger, or maybe even older. You got to forgive. You've got bosses that let you go. You've got things that have happened in life. You've got family members that did this or said that. You've got things to let go, right? So the initial act is, Father, out of obedience to you, not because I feel it, not because my flesh wants to, but by faith, I'm going to let this person go. I'm going to forgive them. And you tell them every nuance of what they said and did and how much it bothered you and say, Father, by grace right now, I forgive them, I release them, and Lord, I ask you to heal my heart. Heal my emotions. Heal me about it. And help me to treat them as though they never did wrong. 
bring me to that spot. You may not be there at the moment, but that's the initial act. That's the engine of the train. Then you got the boxcars on the train, right? And what do the boxcars represent? Daily life. That means that person, according to how, how, what kind of relationship they have with you, they may be in your family, you might not see them frequently, or it may be somebody you work with and you see them all the time. Or maybe it's somebody that lives in your community. Nonetheless, the interaction is, is frequent. Well, that's, that means every time they come to your mind, you see them or you think about them, you, you practice forgiving by praying for them instead of thinking about what they did. You no longer say, you scoundrel, you rascal, how could you, why did you? No, you say, Lord, I have prayed for them, I have forgiven them, and I pray for them right now. There's prayers in Ephesians, Colossians, and then if they're unsaved, that they come to Jesus, right? Right? And see, if you follow that, so you got the engine of the train that's going down the track. Then you got the initial boxcars, and they're being pulled out down the track by the engine, and that's daily life thinking about. And then years ago, and you don't have cabooses today. Have you noticed? You just had this little light, red light swirling. But when I was a little boy, they had cabooses, and they always had somebody on the back of the caboose. And I would sit on my bicycle, let the train go by, and I'd go, and he would always wave back. Guess what's in the caboose? Good feelings. They're not in the engine. They're not in the boxcars. They're at the very end of the train. And it just works that way. So don't let the enemy steal your joy by telling you you're just full of unforgiveness. You're just old bad Christian. You ain't a good one. Because you'll feel like you haven't forgiven when you initially do it, right? But you've got to practice it. The deeper the issue, the longer it's happened, the more thoroughly you've got to do this. How many hear me? And let me also say, you know, there are times when, when it's out in the open, there's been a rift in the family, in the relationship, in the situation, and it's sticky, and it's ugly, and words have been exchanged, and maybe deeds have been exchanged. You know, it's right sometimes, not all, but sometimes, not all the time. Don't cast your pearls before swine, Jesus said. And you're not calling people swine, but you know what he's saying. Don't give good things to somebody that's not going to do anything with it. But there are times you go to somebody and say, you know what? I hurt you, and I ask you to forgive me. Now, they may, they may choose to chew you out and not release forgiveness towards you. Now, that may happen in a family. At Thanksgiving, you may have to look across the table at some mean looks. Are you looking down, putting food? You may look at them and they're looking at you like, right? And you may want to have a conversation and say, you know what? Forgive me or I forgive you. Now, according to where the person is with the Lord, they may not receive that. And they, they might hang on to, oh, that's, they can do what they want to, but see, you've chosen to let it go. So once you deal with it and the person says, well, I accept your forgiveness, well, that's a good thing. Not everybody's going to accept it. And you've got to live with that. Now, what does that mean? You just are mean to them because they're mean. Do you know you love them anyway? You know, you give them the first piece of cake, right? You know, you, you pass the tea to them. Hey, can I help you? Hey, let me get your dishes. You through eating? Oh, whatever. You see what I'm saying? So, so those are really important. There are other issues in life where people have said and done things, and they have no idea that you held offense towards them. It is not necessary to go. You just don't know. And I appreciate people that they have people do this, eh, Somewhat frequently, people come up and say, well, pastor, I forgive you. And the first thing I think is, what do I do? Because I'm always doing something, you know. And honestly, so many times, you know what? I don't even know 
I didn't know I hurt them or offended them. And I said, I, and the first thing I usually say is, well, I'm really sorry that affected you. I, I really didn't realize, and I didn't. So did they need to come to me? Well, maybe for them they did. And, and you know, when they do, and then I let them gracious, I graciously say, well, I forgive you. How many hear me? How many know you? God just wants you to have good relationships. Don't you want to have good ones? Huh? Don't you want to feel good about people? Now, there's some people that are second cousin to the devil. Maybe first cousin. <laughs> and I don't care what you do, they're going to be mean. So, you know, as much as lies in, you live peaceably with all men. You just treat them as nice as you can. And they take every word and they'll twist it. I've had people in my life, I don't care what I say, they make it a negative. Because they don't like me. And, you know, how many have figured out there are going to be some people in life that don't like you? Maybe it's because your mama, maybe it's because of your daddy. It might be because of what city you used to live in. I don't know or what job you used to have. I don't know. It could be anything. You just got to be nice. Practice the law of kindness. Practice the law of love. Is that right? Y'all get something out of this? Stand up on your feet. I'm done. Y'all done? Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We're going home real quick. Y'all ready to eat breakfast? Brunch? Lunch? Well, it's fast today. What do you say? No. No, joking. We all pray for Susan and I. We're going to um, Gatlinburg, Tennessee today. Well, it's a ministry trip. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Mark Barclay from Michigan, he's a minister and uh, he pastors pastors. So it's a closed meeting. Only 100 pastors could go and I is one of them. So, uh, you had to go by invitation, so they invited I. Accept. So we'll be there. We'll come back Wednesday. But uh, would y'all pray for us that God will do something big in me, and so Susan can can uh, can find it easy to be sweet to me. <laughs> Just kidding. Glory. Just close your eyes a minute. Lord, I love these people, men, women here, all ages all races, every one of these people you're intimately involved with. You love them deeply. You love us. Jesus has made it available for all of our sins to be cleansed. All of them, whiter than snow. Isaiah said, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as wool. White. The sins and lawless deeds I remember no more. So, Lord, first of all, thank you that we can accept Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. So I just ask you, friends, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, are you ready for heaven? If you were to take your last breath now, what would happen? Are you afraid? If you're afraid, is it because you don't know where you're going? I left church and... July 20th, 1975, had a car wreck five minutes from the church. My whole life loomed before me because I wasn't walking right, wasn't living right. And I knew I needed to get right. No, those kind of things have a way of rattling you. Really, if your heart was to quit, you breathe your last and you leave your body. Where are you going? Are you sure you're going to heaven? I just want to help you with that. See, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. If you're watching online, hear me out a minute here before you cut it off. 
Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was born of a virgin. That means he had no earthly father. That means he had an earthly mother, a human mother, but God was his father. He was impregnated. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, 16-year-old girl. And the person that she had, his name is Jesus, the anointed one, the Christ. He was, he was God-made flesh. That means Jesus did not have a sin nature the way we do. The Bible says that he lived life just like us, went through every test, temptation, trial, and never did wrong. Nothing bad ever came out of his mouth. He never, he never did an iniquitous deed at all. He was perfect. The Bible says when Jesus Christ died, he didn't die for himself. He died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, when Jesus Christ, just before he died, God made Jesus Christ our sin judgment. Every wrong word, every wrong thought, and every wrong action we've ever committed, even the motives in our life, Jesus became our sin, the Bible says. I don't know how he did it, but God counted our sins on him. When Jesus died, he didn't die for himself, he died for us. Jesus didn't go to immediately to heaven. He went to hell where we should go. He stayed there three days and nights until God was satisfied that our sin debt was paid. Then he was supernaturally raised from the dead. His body got out of the tomb and he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. Then he ascended to heaven. The Bible says he sits at the right hand of God and is ever living to pray for us. So you're here, you say, Pastor, if I was to die, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. I don't know if I'd go to hell. Maybe you're here and you've never been born again. Jesus said, except a man be born again. He can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you have been born again, but you got away from God like me when I was a teenager. And you want to come back. Again, I've mentioned it today. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Any of those two counts, either you want to know the Lord for the first time or you just know you need to come back. You want to make sure things are right. I want to pray with you. And I want to do it now. So when I count to three, if that's you and the Holy Spirit speaking to you to make sure things are right, I want you to raise your hand. And right where you're at, God's going to meet you. See, this is a very personal thing. And Jesus wants to minister to you. So when I count to three, you're watching online, you can pray with us too. Y'all get that uh, screen ready with the prayer you got? Okay. When I count to three, if, if you need this, I want you to raise your hand and say, count me in. And you're, and you're raising your hand and saying, God, I hear you. I'm ready to get it right. One, two, three, raise your hand. Anybody in the room? Come on. Anybody? Thank you, Father. All right. I can't see your hand online. You can put your hand down. Thank you. All right, I want everybody to look at this. I want you to look at this prayer and from your heart. Help the people that need to pray this. You're online and need this. You're in the room and need this. God, I repent of my sins. Today, I changed my heart and mind about how I've been living my life. I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I have committed from the time I was born until today. I believe that Jesus Christ is the virgin born Son of God, that he died in my place to pay for my personal sins and that he rose from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus, I give you my life wholeheartedly for the rest of my life. Change my interests, 
and my desires. Thank you, Father, for saving me from my sin. In Jesus' name. I want everybody in the room, lift your hands up and thank God for saving you. If you prayed that today, thank God for hearing your prayer today. You're watching online and you pray that prayer. Thank God now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There is thank no one like you. There is none besides you. Open up my eyes. prayer first of all if you'll put that text number for those that ask Jesus to come in their life you pray that prayer with me if you're in the room we have a connect card one that says I gave my life to Jesus today fill that out and drop it in the black box or the bucket and we appreciate that don't forget to put your tithes and offerings up back there too and then or you can text Jesus VC to the number 94,000 and there's some information there for you that will really bless your life and we'd like to be in contact with you and help you on your spiritual growth with God. Is that good? So if you need prayer as we conclude, I want my praying folk, if you'll please come and lie in the front. If you need prayer for anything, if you're here and haven't received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, you need that experience. It'll change and transform your life. I mean, God got a hold of me 40, over 47 years ago. I received Jesus, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it transformed who I am. I'm telling you, you need that experience. You need the power of God. If you need healing, if you need prayer for anything, we believe that God answers prayer. So feel free to come forward as we close the service. As we close, I want you to close your eyes. Now I want you to think about one person that you know you need to let go. What one person? This will be a model way to do it. You might have 15 or five, or maybe you don't have anybody. Good. One person. Now pray with me out loud. Heavenly Father, you have commanded me. I am to forgive even as God in Christ forgave me. When I forgive, I'm not to bring it up to that person again. I'm not to talk to others about it. And when it comes up in my own mind, I am to release forgiveness towards that person. So Heavenly Father, here is the person that I need to forgive. Now don't say it out loud, but tell the Lord who it is. Now tell him what situation came up that you know you need to let go. Whatever it is, he can hear your thoughts. He hears all of us at once. He's an amazing being. Just tell him. Just tell him. All right. 
I'll give you a little bit. Just go through it in your mind and just tell. He can hear your thoughts. Think it like you would talk it. Thank you, Father. Now I want you to say, Heavenly Father, I lay this person at your feet. I make a choice right now to forgive them and what they did. I, right now in Jesus' name, and by faith, forgive them for what they did in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for forgiving me for holding any unforgiveness towards them. Lord, I ask that my emotions would release as I practice forgiving. Beginning now, I have forgiven them. When they come to my mind, I will pray for them. I will not bring this up in conversation to them or anybody else. I thank you that I have released them and you have forgiven me. And I just give thanks in Jesus' name.